it's all we are here. Really. We can entertain possibilities. This, what seems to be so now, is a possibility that was entertained. This is actually an impossibility that was entertained. That separation could be real. Yeah? So if we can entertain impossibilities and make them seem real to us, what would happen if we entertained what was actually real? Yeah? See, see what happens. But the ability to entertain is incredible. And what this thing does is it gives meaning to things. That's what you do. So when you, when there is conscious contact, when there is an experience, or there's conscious contact, when consciousness has contact with things, be it a person or a thought or whatever here, when conscious contact occurs, the conditioned mind arises when that conscious contact, because it claims to be who is in conscious contact. It doesn't just see conscious contact. It reacts to conscious contact and makes up a story, the original story, which is I'm in conscious contact. I, Paul. Yeah? Now, I am in conscious contact is pretty much on the money, but I, as Paul, body is not on the money. I is conscious contact, you know, like some people would say the I am or whatever, or the I, I. That I is, in, that is the awareness of conscious contact. You're aware of conscious contact. But the head immediately tattoos that event with a story. It's like the prelude of every other story, which is I, Paul, as this, am in conscious contact. That's when everything goes south, in a way, because then every conscious contact is now neutered because the conscious contact is showing you the essence of living here, or being, which is a verb. It's just constantly going on. There's no noun to be found in it. That A noun has been inserted right at the get-go. I am the one that's in conscious contact. So I, am, as a noun, am in conscious contact. I am being. Yeah. So we have the idea of a higher power. We call it a divine being which means we've neutered the verb of being into a noun, all right? So God is the divine being, and I'm a being, yeah? A noun being. But no, there's just being. There is no noun. There's no divine being. All being is divine, yeah? There's no divine being. All being is divine. This verb is it, yeah? But the, the head's interpretation is that there's a noun called me. And you, you find that fact, that seeming fact, through identification as body. Yeah? You're looking at life through a body, so you're taking this to be what's looking. You know, it seems like it was, it's an obvious mistake. So there's a looking seemingly through this body, and we take it to be the body that's looking. Yeah? And so the body is now fitted with the idea of being Paul. And so that this Paul is denied, basically, or it's the, it, the counter-evidence of this Paul is always available at all times in the conscious contact. So it's neutered this incredible, unbearable solution to its own problem by saying, I'm in conscious contact. So now it doesn't have to deal with the, in, that incredible, incessant uh, appearance of the solution to the dilemma by having the dilemma claim being the solution. Yeah? So I, Paul, am in conscious contact. So now all the conscious contact becomes the, the bottom baseline of all the stories about Paul and life. Yeah? It's incredible. So 
conscious contact has now been hijacked, and it, and it reminds me every second that I'm a Paul. That's in conscious contact. And conscious contact, while you're alive, will always be there, and the mind's using it to, to sort of hitch up the bondage. Yeah? It's actually its safety belt. Actually, the truth of your freedom is used by that conditioned head to enslave you, in a sense. So the conscious contact is being used to imply that there's a Paul that's in conscious contact. Yeah? And there's where the story is. So like this man was talking about, this neuroscientist. I'm going to butcher it probably, but... He was talking about that there's two big flows. There's the experiential, he'd call it the experiential self, and then the remembering self. Now, to me, there isn't a self. Yeah? There's no self. So there's just the experiential groove... And then there's the remembrance group. And he says, there's two different levels of happiness for both groups. What's well-being and happiness for the experiential group isn't what well-being and happiness is called by the remembrance group. The remembrance group is more in a resume, more in quantity, more in like uh, like a big game hunter with you know big lion heads over the mantle and stuff. It's about what I've done and what I have, and this is why I'm happy, because I have this and I've done that, and I graduated from school, top of my thing, and da-da-da. And the experiential self doesn't find much happiness in any of that. It's not resume-oriented. It's just sort of conscious of what's happening. So it's, its joy in life isn't the goals it's attained or done or what it's had. It's the having and the doing, yes? It's the, it's the process instead of the goal, the destination. And they both have different ideas of what's happy. Now, obviously, in the remembrance mood, it's always going to be using judging and comparison to see how good you're doing and how bad you're doing, obviously. Yeah. The experiential doesn't care about judging and comparison. Yeah. It doesn't have time for any of that because there's no time to actually get out of the experience and become an observer of it. There's just no time. Because every, even the idea of being an, observing the experience is an experience. Yeah? You can't get out of the realm of experience. In other words, being is an uninterrupted verb. There's no place, there's no island of noun that you can climb up on and then become, you know... A, it's like there's no amphibious action. You don't leave the ocean of being and then become a noun and then have a new experience of life from the idea of being an island. There ain't no island. There's just being, 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 being. And when the conditioned mind takes over and lives this remembrance view, you have to realize when it's totaling up and adding and subtracting how good and bad you're doing, the thing's totally insane. It has its own agenda. And you may think it's actually working for you, but you're actually working for it. It's using your life to, to interpret a life based on its views. Yeah? And its desire to be right is incredibly powerful. And its desire to be special is incredibly powerful. And it doesn't care how it's special. A 10-year prison sentence can be just as special as buying a house in Pacific Heights to it. Yeah. Now... <laughs> and you may be thinking, this really sucks, I would do anything to get out of it, but actually, to the remembrance selfing, you've arrived. <laughs> it has no intention of leaving. This is what it was working for, for a long time. I'm really special, and I'm really right in this situation. I ain't giving this up for anything. Now you are yelling and screaming, I'd do anything to get out of here, but you wouldn't at all. You're actually quite happy where you're at, as that remembrance part of mine. We're saying here, 
in this experiential self and in the remembrance self, there's no self. They're just modes of verbing here. Yeah? Now, there has to be a sense of being a self for the remembrance mode. There doesn't have to be any sense of self to be in the experience thing. And you've had a great sample in your life of that experience mode, probably when you were young. Yeah? For me, like my golden years were between two and four, basically. I had somewhat of a memory when I was in three and a half and four, and I have a vague memory of how free it was just being whatever I was being at the time. You know, there wasn't being Paul, because there was no idea of Paul. It hadn't set in concrete yet. And I had no idea of love and be- I mean, beauty and ugliness or time, because when I was playing, there wasn't a little worry, will I be playing next week? Because I had no idea of next week. Absolutely none. Yeah? My mother could have been obese and super ugly. I loved her. It didn't matter, because I didn't have any concept of beauty. So I didn't see anything as ugly yet. Yeah, it was so nice. It was a nice little way to travel. And of course, wonder and awe were dominant there. Curiosity, wonder and awe, spontaneity, all those. And then we outgrow it. We outgrow that. And it's not like we outgrow it. We grow into something else that excludes that. What is it that we grow into? A remembrance of a life. Yeah. So we remember what we're doing is good and bad, and that we shouldn't have done this, and then all this judgment. And then there's a... A, a slowly a very quick separation from the experience of living into the observing of living. And yet what's observing is not you. What's observing is all the conditioning that this poor little character or non-character absorbed. And you're seeing through your grandmother's eyes, your cultural eyes, your freaking teacher's eyes, your peer's eyes. And it's like, it's you never even experience walking into a room anymore. It's always thinking while you're walking into the room. You never experience the moment of lovemaking. You're thinking. You're just waiting for that to be over, basically, to start thinking about it. What does it mean between her and me now that we've made love? And then the mind just gets into the story constantly. And we've gotten to the habit of it where we're, we're basically unconsciously saying bye-bye to experiencing life and going into observing it. And having this thing partition and make important and unimportant and everything like that. And so life, this uninterrupted verb, gets partitioned and made into past events and memories and vacations and work weeks and this and that and prom nights and everything like that. And a lot of importance is laid on days. Why do people flip out on New Year's Eve more than any other day? It's just another day, but not in the remembrance of it. This has a lot of conditional meaning, New Year's Eve. If you're alone in New Year's Eve, it can mean you're a big fucking loser. <laughs> in a sense, yeah? And all like this. So, your comes, tons of meanings are being inserted into life based on what thinks it's living it, yeah? You have to see, seriously, if there's an event or an experience going on, and Paul is separated out of it, and it thinks it's having the experience. Paul is like in the computer, I think in, I can get close to it. It's like a tag, or it represents thousands of old files. Yeah? So here's an event going on, and this idea that I'm explaining is an event that's going on. There's, you're never out of life, in a sense. Even the witnessing of it is life. Yeah? You're never out of life. You can't pull yourself out of here and observe it. It's just, that's part of, that's a verb that's happening here. 
it does, you never pull yourself out. So, but here you are, and there's an event going on, but you think it's happening to you, as a Paul, which is that separation of it. You don't see yourself as part of an event. You see as the event happening to you. You don't see yourself as part of the event of living. You see the event as happening to you. You become the all-knowing subject, and everything else is an object. Yeah? But here you get pulled out, and when you're pulled out, and Paul is thinking life's happening to him, there's thousands of files that download, and give, and through you, through Paul, get distributed into life, and this system of self-centeredness gives meaning through you to life. Yeah. And then you see, you think, and then you see the meaning as if it's real and solid and outside of yourself. And it, at, in this point, it can have the ability to affect you, big time. Yeah? Like in the Course, it would always say, you're the dreamer of the dream, the Course of Miracles. You're the dreamer of the dream, but you forgot you dreamt the dream. And in this forgetting, you've given what you've dreamt all the power to affect you. Yeah? So, this, this, this thing called living, if, if I'm seeing life as happening, it's pretty cool. If I'm seeing life as happening to me, that to me accesses tons of old files that download. So the event is not seen as the event. It's seen as a past event. You're not doing it. You are part of it. That sense of being a you is not doing it. That's part of what's appearing. But it is definitely a past event that you react to. You're not responding to what's happening. The response by the head to what's happening is to react from the past. And it's fast. And as a self, you can't get out of self. See, this, this system is so, it has this incredible foolproof strategy because you trying to get out of self is what you would call being in self here. If you realize one day that self is what has defeated you, and you now join a group that studies self for the next year, that is also obsession with self. Isn't it? You're now obsessed with self, but instead of going in it, you're trying to get out of it. Both of them are being what you would call in it. There's no... In and out is part of... is just one big in here. Most people don't see it. Most people are seeing one square of the Game Boy. So they see, oh, I'm in here. And I don't want it. I don't like the effects of being in here. So I know my next move is to the next square, which implies being out of it. You don't realize that's this two-square thing is called one square called duality. <laughs> so there's an in and there's an out. And when you're in this consequential level, you're thinking, oh, I don't like the in, I'm going to get out. And you think that the out is actually out of the in. But they're two sides of the same coin. Yeah? You're still living in the coin of the realm. You're still participating in the commerce of duality. It's total delusion. So you're in something. Oh, yes, I'm in the self. They finally pointed out to me. Self is what has defeated me. Oh, fuck. Now I'm seeing all the selfing going on. It's driving me crazy. I'm constantly thinking about things that aren't happening. I want to get out of it. So let me read some help books. How to get out of the self, or how to be in the moment, and everything like that. Which ones have you ever finished? Probably none of them. <laughs> I've noticed with people, they had 50 of them in their library, and they haven't read one of them completely. So it's, they're just trying to get a solution. Yeah. For what? They want to get out of self. Yeah, sounds like a, uh, 
a natural response to a situation that's unbearable. Yeah? But the response is part and parcel of the bigger problem called self-centeredness. It's called duality. So you think there is something, oh, fuck, I hate to be in this thing, I want to get out of it. But you're getting out of it is being in it also. That's why people have a good... See, if you apply a solution to an imaginary problem, what can you expect? Nothing. You can, oh, actually, a lot of something's going to happen, but it's not going to be what you thought. Because if you apply a solution to an imaginary problem, what you're really doing is verifying the reality of the problem. It's a, it's a real fucker, eh? If you see it, really. You see, oh, Jesus, now I know, you know what my problem is. No, you don't. The, the, the solution you're going to apply to the problem is a bigger problem than this problem. Yeah? Isn't it? What solution have you found that lasted? None. Why is that? Why is it that every solution you found hasn't lasted to the problem? I'm saying maybe because some, usually we're in self-centered, so we usually put it, ah, something's wrong with me. No, that's, just, that's another one of its smoke screens. Yeah, how it reinforces the system. The reason why is it's an imaginary problem. How can a solution work on an imaginary problem? The true solution is recognizing it's imaginary, isn't it? That's the quickest way out, is to realize you're not in it. That's the whole solution in me. It was just a recognition I was never in what I thought I was in, that I was trying so hard to get out of, to trying to, trying to get out of it stopped, and there I was. I was literally what you call out of it now, by not trying to get out of it. How does that work? I have no idea. It doesn't exist. It never exists. It never exists because the only place it can exist is in the verb. Yes? There is selfing, but there is no self. You see? Selfing is not a problem. What's the problem is the illusion of being a self. Yeah? That's imaginary. Selfing will keep happening. The mind selfs. That's what it does. Yeah? In other words, its narration is of you as this in a life of that. That's the way it sees it. You may try to work on changing its perceptions, but well, who cares if you're not that? The real solution is to recognize you're not that, then all the perceptions of illusion can keep appearing and making up an illusion, but you're not falling for it anymore because you're not the noun, which is the biggest thing it makes up. Yeah? Ramana Maharshi, this old master, he passed away, he used to have a really nice way of explaining it to me. He would say, there's, there's you, okay? Maybe you've woken up to, hey, this world's unreal. Yes, this whole place is unreal. So you're sitting there like in an auditorium, and you're seeing the world like a movie. And you're sitting there with the acknowledgement, this is unreal. But he says, no, 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 no. Because when you're doing that, there's an assumption that you're real as this individual entity, realizing everything else is unreal. He says, no, the circle's bigger. You sitting in the auditorium thinking that the place is unreal and this slight, subtle assumption that you're real is what's happening. That's the unreality. What? That's all it is. Most of us are seeing life on one square of the game board. When the head is lifted out of selfing, you'll see a couple of squares. You'll see that in and out mean the same thing here. In and out mean the same thing. In and out mean the exact same thing. When you're in something and out of something, it's the exact same. There's no difference. Difference in flavor, but there's no real difference. Yeah? You start seeing. So, 
And then when you see that there has never been a noun in life, there's only a verb, there's only being, there's not a being. A being does not happen. There's being. It's just like when there's selfing going on. It presents a sense of being self, yeah? So you get presented a self, a self, yeah? When the A drops off and then you think it's myself, that's when the starting, that's when it starts happening, yeah? The suffering. So the selfing is implying there's a self. So it presents a self to you. As soon as you say myself, then something happens, yes? If you look at it in this room, if anyone, if we asked you a simple question, what self has defeated you in this room? Everyone would have the same answer. Myself. Everybody. If you asked, if we had 800 people in the auditorium, 800 people would say the same thing. Myself. So it's not self that has defeated us, obviously. It's the my. Because if self defeated me, yourself would defeat me. But it doesn't, because it's yourself. I see a difference between your and mine. And that's what saves me from yours and doesn't save me from mine. Because I think this is me. That's how it defeats us, is your act of identifying. So we're just saying that's the place to look at. If I'm not that self, then the selfing will lose steam. Because it's using your juice, basically, to create this incredible movie of you as being the central character. You'll lose steam, and then what's obvious becomes really obvious to you. All there is is verbing here. There's never been a noun to be found. And there's never a time where you can observe what's happening. And in other words, you can never come out of the fray, so to speak. Yeah? It's just verbing. And if you have no time to observe or to pontificate, what happens is you're engaged in conscious contact. Yeah? You're right at the point of where the rubber hits the road. There's life happening. So I don't know what I don't know what happened yesterday, and I don't care mining anything because the context of the day was more than enough. Yeah, the context of the day is like the whole day, no matter what happened and didn't happen, there was one thing that was always going on, which was the verbing of it. There's always a sense of being. Yeah, there's always a sense of movement in a way. I don't mean movement like getting on a train. I mean movement. There's a feeling. To me, it's the sense of presence. Yes. Or like that, the generation, the generator of light humming in the background. And, all day. and so every day, that's what's emphasized. So what happens in the day doesn't really matter as much before, because there's no resume being built. Yeah? I'm not writing up an account of my life where I bring my little mental accountant and he adds it up and subtracts and says, oh yes, your life was valuable because you did this and had that and got this and helped this. None of that means anything. There's just the living of it every day. It's like like disposable tissues. Monday, gone. Tuesday, gone. Wednesday, gone. Thursday, gone. Friday, gone. Saturday, gone. Sunday, gone. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But this whole act of sensing the being of it is the joy. Yes. The context gets emphasized. The context gets a little minimized. And I'll tell you, man, the meaning we're, we're putting on life, it would be nice to extract some of it. <laughs> because you meet somebody and you make them a savior, and they're going to fail you. How can they not fail you? They wouldn't be serving you if they succeeded. Because you don't need to be saved. Every savior is meant to fail you. Because the fact is, you don't need to be saved. You are, you're not even 
you're not, are, you're not even in the state of being saved because you were never unsaved. Yeah? How can you free a verb? It's verbing. <laughs> How can you incarcerate a verb? Oh, I, got a, I got a running prison. All running is now walking. A prison, prison running. But that would be another verb called walking. Yeah? How can you imprison swimming? <laughs> I caught swimming for once. I got it in here in this little, this little like, glass of water. But that's not swimming anymore. Yes? You can't incarcerate a verb. You can, no matter how many conceptual prisons you make or stories about it, you can't incarcerate it. It, if it overrides all your levees and all your dams and everything. Yes, I'm a success. Look at what I've acquired. No, that's dead in a way. You've, you know, you've taken out its true essence, which is movement, and you try to make it into something that I have. Look at what I have here, man. Look at this piece I have from 2003. I captured it at that retreat. Do you notice? I think you missed it. I got the big one. Eight day came in. Look at that fucking... Talk about saintliness. Look at how much saintliness I have. Now look at it. I got it on my mantle, and every day I look at it, and I get a hit of being a saint. No, no, no capture anything like this. The holiness of is it's in its movement, yeah? That's what makes it sacred. Not not if it's sacred to you. It doesn't need to be sacred to you. It's a sacred in the living of it. Yeah? And the only thing is, whatever arises is still part of the living of it. Yeah? Whatever arises, what's what's looking is what you are looking for. At any point of what's looking, which would be interpreted as you looking for, at any point in that whole process of you looking for, because all day is seeking, usually, as a you. You're in the mode of seeking. You're seeking something today, all day. That's what mind is. It doesn't want to find. It's in seeking. It's into seeking. Have you noticed that? Because people will find a great thing, and after a month or two, they leave it to find something else. They can't stop the seeking. It's incessant. Yeah? So they're seeking, 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 seeking. But they have no intention of finding. What happens is with that is, if there is no seeker, there's no problem with seeking. And what occurs most of the time is seeking stops. But it can continue on perfectly. The only thing that has an opinion about seeking is a seeker. Yeah. So a seeker now goes, oh, I've been seeking too long, I'm now going to non-seek, which is still seeking. Yeah? Because there's a seeker involved in both of them. There's a seeker of non-seeking, and there's a seeker of seeking. This is about, who cares, seek or not seek? But I notice when you give up that, that idea of seeking being good or bad, it usually diminishes. Yeah? So you actually get freed from the need to be liberated. It's really great. This day is not a stepping stone to a greater day to me. <laughs> it really isn't. I'm not working on a vast urban renewal project called Paul. And one day I'm going to be a city light on the hilltop, beaming out great messages to everybody. No fucking way. Yeah, I'm just here. I'm just here because there's no escape from being here. That's all. I'm just here because that's the fact. If I could do anything about it, I would. Really, I tried most of this life then, and it, it's failed miserably. So it finally just came up and hunkered down into the inevitability. Hey, I'm here. Oh, 
oh, I hate being here. <laughs> that's also being here. Oh, I love being here. That's also being here. Yeah? So, that's why I have trouble getting well physically, because I can't remember my symptoms of three days ago. <laughs> I can't. How, are you feeling better than you did yesterday? I don't know, really. <laughs> Can you compare it to last? I can't. I, can't. I, forgot, I totally forgot about last week. But how are we going to get better? I know it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult because I can't remember how I felt yesterday. <laughs> Come on, keep a record, a journal of it. No, I don't think I know. So I take pills and then. Hey, is it working? I don't know which is working. I don't know how was how was it working yesterday. Fucking frustrating as a self because it wants to get better. Something's wrong. I want to get better. Isn't that seeking? That's all it is. Who says something's wrong? Yeah, and then who initiates the seeking? In AA, they say a thing. I love it. <laughs> to me, I swear, if I had a chance of like revising the big book of AA, all I would do is put in blank pages in some areas. That's all I would do. And after certain statements were made, I'd put in like ten blank pages. And one of them would be, this is the how and why of it. Quit playing God. I would throw in about ten blank pages there. And just sit with the pause of that. What the hell does that mean? Quit playing God. Oh, because it doesn't work. Simple. Not because it's right or virtuous. It just doesn't fucking work. I found one of the biggest revelations I've had over the years entertaining this really is how much fun God goes on by the head. I am astounded at the levels of playing God, selfing God. It's mind-boggling to me. It is mind-boggling. I had no idea how deep it went. It's playing God constantly. It's yapping up in your head as if it knows. Its whole basis is based on a knowing when it has no knowledge at all, really. It's all dead. Yeah? But it knows. It knows things should be better for you right now. It knows that you shouldn't be treated this way. It knows that I deserve that job. It knows, why haven't I gotten what he has? It knows that all this should be coming my way. Or it knows I should be punished. It knows I don't deserve this unconditional love. It knows that I was bad last week. I should be in purgatory for a few more weeks. It knows all this baloney. It's playing God every second of the day up there. And it's using God's energy, which is what you are, if you want to call it God's energy, to play God. It couldn't be so, it wouldn't, it could not possibly be as convincing as it is unless it had the juice of God in you to play with. So it's playing God with your energy. Yeah. You wake up and you're, it tells you how Saturday's going to be. Why is Saturday different than other days? Because Saturday is the demand to have fun, I think. If I don't have a certain amount of fun, if I don't accrue enough fun, or if I find someone else went to a longer, better movie than I did, I'll feel disappointed in my weekend. What's that but playing God, isn't it? Did I have to wait for this thing to come up with its take on how I did today? Let's see, let me get the, get the calculator, all right. We can talk, all right, that should be five spiritual bonus points. Let's see, I should have surfed, but I didn't, because I didn't want to go on a big surf. That's five demerits, because I'm supposed to be a surfer. 
how can you be a surfer if there's no surfing going on? So you can't be a surfer. All right. Okay. All right. But I was really nice to say that. Oh, God, that's a few more points. Let's see. Let's see. Okay. Uh, eight o'clock. All right. Here's your gift for today. You can watch a movie tonight, Paul, and have a half a pint of Agendas. That's it. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you, old master. Right. Next day. How's today going to be? Oh, it's going to be a terrible day, Paul. Why? Why? I, I just don't even go there. It's just going to be terrible. You've got to accrue 800 points today. Oh, Jesus Christ, all right. You've got to go on a hike first, a hard one. Then you've got to go help somebody. Then you've got to help some more people. All the while thinking you're so bad, you've got to be really good today. Yeah. And no matter how much good you do, it'll never negate the bad. It's the size of the same coin. Same coin. If you try to do good because you think you're bad, that ain't going to do nothing. It's just reinforcing the dilemma of, of ignorance. Yeah. Who gives you permission to receive something good in your life? Life or you? Your head or life? Life obviously gave you permission. It's already served it to you. You're saying no to it. I guess you're giving yourself permission. You're saying no to the, uh, you won't sign for the delivery. I, I, I don't deserve this. I wasn't good enough today. So now I can't have unconditional love now. See it. See what it's like. Do you want to live under its sin? Watch it. It's simple. Your head's having a good day. How long does it last for you? Fifteen minutes, maybe? You start feeling like you're a fraud. You don't deserve a good day. But see, did I do enough to deserve a good day? <laughs> Whatever. But the same head, if you're feeling bad, doesn't it seem to tell you it's going to last forever? So the good gets shortened, the bad gets elongated. Do you want to live under that interpretation, though? And it's whimsical as hell. It can change at any moment. You may think, you got, I know myself, but you don't. It'll turn on you like that. You'll be a saint five years, and you, you know, you'll have one wet dream, and those five years of meditation will be out the window. It was a great movie. You ever see this German movie, Samsara? That's great. This is a great one. German movie about a monk and stuff. So this monk... He's on one of those two years, two months, two days, two hour retreats they do in Tibet, yeah? He's in this cave. And so they're going to get him out. And so the young monks are very thinking this is like Mickey Mantle of monkhood, you know, like Willie Mays of monkhood. So they go to get the monk, and he's in there sitting in the lotus position. He's got long nails and super long beard. He hasn't been in samadhi or total bliss for two and a half years or so they get him out, and they say, okay, you, old young monk, will watch him tonight. And he's like, oh, this is like being with, you know, fucking what, Britney Spears or something. So they are in the room, and they're laying there, and then the young monk wakes up, and he looks at the old monk, the other, you know, the two-year monk, and he's got, a, like, a tent. He's got a boner sticking up on his tent. His first night out at the retreat, he's having a sex dream. And then there's milk, and then it gets wet. So the guy has a wet dream the first night he comes out. <laughs> so two years, two months, two days, wiped out with one wet dream. <laughs> That's the joke of this fucking place. <laughs> one wet dream wipes out two years of Satan. <laughs> Winning and losing is losing. 
You can't win. There's no need to fucking win. That's the good news. This is truly a message about nothing. It truly is. Now, if you if you just if there's a movement to meditate far out, it may improve your conscious contact. I don't know, but I do know whatever happens here can be compromised by selfing. If you're identified as a self, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you do on this planet. It's not necessarily going to take you out of self. It's going to be, let's say, morphed into self-centeredness. Because anything self comes in contact with, it will take advantage of. Anything. Meditation, epiphanies, you know, miracles, anything. So, for me, I went to about ten years of practice. You know, pretty heavy practice, I thought. Meditation practice and stuff. I wasn't a monk or anything, but I was, you know, I was into it. <clears throat> and I don't know about others, but I ran into a fundamental flaw of it all, which is whatever was happening, there was a sense of me as the one that was doing it. Yeah, and the me, that feeling of being the me that was the one that was doing it, override any effect of whatever I was doing. It was really a drag in a way. <laughs> You know, as a seeker. That's the one I found after years. I realized whatever I did as an I, it it compromised the effect. Yeah? It could, a spiritual effect will happen maybe out of a spiritual practice, but what will claim it is the idea of that I'm now becoming spiritual. And that is a real, to me, That just neuters the whole years, 10 years, 20 years, one day. So I'm not worried about practicing. I don't have much opinion about what people do or don't do. My assertion or direction or indication is who is it that's doing it. Find out if there's a who that's doing it. Because if it's not found out, whatever happens here, if it's claimed by that, won't be what happened here. Emphasis will be on who it happened to, not what happened. Yeah? And I feel life is about happening, not what... Life is not what's happening to me. It's life is happening. The way to really embrace life is happening, not to me. Yeah? So, if I sit and meditate now, that's it. When I get up, there's no claiming of it as a self. So, to me, maybe it has value, it doesn't. I don't feel like I need any value. I really don't. I don't think I'm here to accrue value. I don't believe that at all. I believe this is an expression of the value in and of itself, just being conscious. I mean, when, when have we started there? I don't believe we've ever started at square one. I think we've started at square two, every one of us. We've started life from the position that I'm the one that's living it. It's a totally different ball game from that square if you, than from if you started at the first square. Because if you start at the first square, you realize there was no starting. There's no starting. The game never ends because it never began. It's just this unfurling of an infinite like flag, in a sense, this verbing. Yeah. And there's an awareness of it. That's really a way of traveling light here. It's, just, it's sort of like, if you ever watched in the ocean, 
this, when there's big waves, the pelicans get in front of the wave and they catch an airstream. It's really wild when you're out in the water and you see them. They're moving at great speeds effortlessly. They're just in the right position, going across the face of the wave. And they're having fun. They're not looking for fish. It's not like they're on the clock, you know. They're <laughs> animals are having fun out there. So this thing's just rock, just going. And it's only about an inch. It's the it's tip of its wings are about nano inch off of the water. Just That's in a sense of how it's like. There's a never-ending sense of a movement that's is recognized when you when it's recognized it's sensed as a stillness here but inherently it's really a movement to me yeah but it's sensed as a stillness yeah it's sort of cool so I just felt that it's um, when this little bit of information was introduced to me it changed everything and it, it erased ten years of practicing and everything like that and to me it accessed an immediate download of more value than I ever got out of anything I ever did here and had. It was just, I didn't have to do anything. All I had was entertain the idea I'm not a long-lasting independent separate entity. And what I noticed when that was entertained, my ability to entertain was freed up from entertaining just that all fucking day, which is a freaking full-time job to entertain your what you're not. It's freaking, it takes all of your entertaining to do that. When it just even a little bit was freed up, I could entertain other possibilities. I only saw his goals out there, like doing and having. But I could entertain it. Hey, I am okay. Yeah. Why the hell do I want to do this today? What's the point? Yeah. Do I have to go on another retreat? <laughs> no. Do I have to see this person speak again? No. If I want to, it's fine. Enough, but I don't just have to. And the need was taken out. It was great. What a relaxation. Yeah. wake up and that was it. There was no accountant with me. Alright, let's see. Let's see. You've got to you've got a debit today. You've got to really do a lot of stuff today to have a good day. No. Forget that all that. Yeah. yeah. When I walk in a room, I walk in a room. No thoughts at all about anything. Yeah, when I fart, I fart. Unmercifully for some, but it's a happy <laughs> body's doing, that's what it's doing. <laughs> can I say? <laughs> Literally. How can you behold me to this body that I'm not? It's just that's what it's doing. What's the problem with that? So all the problem, you know, it's just, it's just an entertaining, offering you an idea. Yeah? And I'll, I'm telling you, the power of your entertaining is unbelievable. If it was ever put onto a truthful thing to entertain, you would see unbelievable results. Mountains can be moved because they're imaginary mountains. Your whole landscape has been made up by the one. You're the cartographer. All your maps of all the geographies of your life, you've made up. Being the cartographer. You give up being the cartographer, that's the map maker. If you give up that, the maps change in and of themselves. And I know for sure that maybe the destiny of your life won't change. If you maybe you're supposed to get cancer, you'll get cancer, and you'll die a certain day, you'll die. But you will travel lighter through it all as this, because some of your consciousness would be freed up from being captured by identification as this, yes? Consciousness can intimate its own nature when it's not identified as this nature quite easily. 
and start seeing everything as itself. So, any questions today? enjoy everyone here. I, I just, you know, for me, I hate to use the word for me, I have to start saying for this, you know, the advisor police are going to get on me, so gonna, the Pharisees are going to send me long emails. There's no me, for this, <laughs> I'm working on it, i got to get all my protections up there. You know, advisor means non-duality, you know? so there's a certain advisor Pharisee sect, which is They've got the words down perfectly, but to me, maybe they're living it, I don't know. Maybe they're living it as that. Obviously they are. But there's something that's it's like a papyrus feel, they're too dry. Non-duality obviously can express dualistically. That's what it's doing here. <laughs> Why would you want to try to make non-duality express non-duality? To me, that would be dualistic approach. Let it just be recognized as what it is. All there is is what is. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'm really happy that people come and entertain it, and I hope it affords you some freedom in your life. Yeah, that's the whole point. Yeah, it's, in a weird way, you know, it's a humble piece of fish, but you know it's really good to me. Like, I'm a cod salesman, yeah? I'm just selling a piece of cod, but I know it's really fucking good. <laughs> so... But I don't put any banners how great it is. I just put it out there. And, and, and over time, if you digest it and chew it, it starts, it'll show, its, it's effects will show. It cannot not show. Yeah. Maybe at the last second of your life it'll show, but in that last second you realize nothing had ever happened. Literally. In that last second of realization, you will realize nothing ever happened. Nothing ever happened to you. Literally. So, the longing and the suffering, all of this is not so. It never fucking happened. This is a dream. Yeah? This is a dream. It doesn't matter when you wake up out of the dream, because inevitably you are awake. The dream is only of time, and it's only appearing in time, in this spatial dimension. And you are an appearance of the dreamer. Has the dreamer lost its quality? being identified as the dream object? Of course not. That's the freedom here. The freedom, what makes this place everything totally okay about this place is that it's not so. That's the reason why. If it was so, there's things you could get into every day. Eating meat, doing this, doing that. There's so much unokayness going on here, it's unbelievable. This isn't about making what's unokay okay. It's realizing there isn't any reality to it. On a level, there are things that are terribly unokay here. We're not trying to make them okay with a f- mental philosophy. I'm totally into those things as being unokay. But I realize they're not so, ultimately. They're part and parcel of a dream that's going to roll up like a rug. Not even so, because it's, it's never happened. That's a distinct feeling I've had in the past when I've gone out. You know? It's like nothing ever happened to you. Nothing has ever happened. This is a dream, truly a dream. 
when you go from here, there will never be a remembrance of a grave. There will be no remembrance. The only ones that will remember a grave will be the ones that seem to be still in the dream. What was called grave will never remember being grave. Because it's not so. It's instantaneous. There's no erasing. Just erasing would mean there was something there to erase. There's no erasing. It's like, like that. It's been 40 years of, of lots of thinking and making and comparing and judging. Like gone. I've had it happen a number of times. One time was I had a really nice little free sample. I was getting operated. I was having. I had a bad leg from a car accident, so I went in to have a local operation, or I mean an operation in this part of my leg. So they gave me local anesthesia, which is they just knock this out. So they obviously don't want you to be looking at what they're doing. So they build a little wall, yeah, so you can't look over it and you're laying down. But your mind, you're wide awake, yeah, and then you hear it. You can hear them. Yeah. Have you ever heard it? You can hear something. You don't feel any pain, but you hear it. I mean, I one time had these rods in my leg, and when they were pulling them out, it sounded like the sound effects of a nail getting pulled out of a piece of wood. It'd be, but I didn't feel anything, but visually I could make something up from the sound. It was like, whoa, what the hell is going on in there? But they were doing this work, and I was laying there, and they had these big aluminum, like, uh, with the lights are in, so show a lot of light. I was looking up at that light, and somehow I got a, just a pre-sample. Something came over me. You know, it becomes, it's just phenomena. There's nothing to do with anything, really. But this phenomena was, I had this incredible, like, uh, it was like the quintessential, you know, quintess means, quintessence means the essence of essence, yeah? Uh, like a quintessential taste of bliss, or like love. Just for like, in time, maybe a second, but one of its effects was it had erased my whole life story. Yeah? <clears throat> and when the story was trying to recoagulate, it had a flavor that everything that had ever happened was, was worth it to be here. <laughs> At this one taste of this love. Everything and anything that ever happened was totally okay if it led to this one point of... In other words, the admission to this... I would have paid more than all the suffering that I seemingly had gone through just to have this taste of this love. Yeah. Just an incredible thing. Yeah. So you get these samples, and in those samples, there's principles that are displayed or revealed. If you can get the, end, the, the extent of the ocean by one drop of water, your mind can entertain it. Your mind doesn't need 8,000 miracles. All it needs is one little invitation. Just opening it up from one calibration to another, and then it entertains something, let's say, called freedom, and guess what? That freedom will manifest in time here for you. It may be instantaneous, it may be over time, but there's no stopping it. Once your mind can entertain being free, it can come to pass. That's its nature. Yeah? Its nature is it can entertain unbelievably. It's just what it's entertaining has, has crippled it. Yeah? Because you're entertaining the same old, same old every day. That you're a body, that things can threaten you and stop you from getting what you want, that your life is based on being okay if you get what you want, and not okay if you don't get what you want, and all this and all that. That 
ability to entertain and possibilities. It's just they're entertaining the same old, same old every day. This is about freeing it up and let it entertain something larger. Yeah, like yeah, it's being okay despite your circumstances. What? Yes, that can happen. You don't have to. You know, your your okayness is not based on circumstances and situations. What? Yes, and it's not based on body condition. What? And it's not based on mental condition. What? I'll do end with this one thing. This, I like this way of breaking it down. You have a deck of cards here in life. The way I was taught when I, where I came from was if you got your outside situations and circumstances a certain way, they would translate to you being happy. Yeah, that was the deal. Yeah. So go to school. I didn't even go to school because what happened, I got arrested quite a lot when I was young. The old idea of being in college, everything was cut off. No one in my family would mention again. They were just hopefully I won't get arrested anymore. <laughs> my idea of potential was diminished immediately. So there was a poem, we hope you don't get killed. Right, I'll go for that. that. That I may be able to pull off. So I didn't have all that, but in the beginning, it was being fed. Yes? Paul, you've got to get your situations and circumstances together. And if you do the right way, it will translate into you being happy. So I said, all right, that's cool. That's, that's what they say. Yeah. Then you realize that, let's say, somebody in Pacific Heights today, which is a rich section, has six Ferraris going on, and all this beautiful landscape and everything, but his, he's very physically ill. That physical illness is going to override his circumstances and situations, isn't it? He's not really going to be happy, no matter how many Ferraris he has. So in a sense... The body condition trumps circumstances and situations. So now everyone, let's say, practices yoga and they do exercising and they try to get the perfect body and plastic surgery and everything like this. And they figure if my body is really great, then I'll, that'll translate into me being okay. Yeah? But let's say you just came out of the yoga class, 12 hours of stretching unbelievably and everything like that, and your mind is obsessing over next week. Yeah? Obviously, your body condition isn't overriding your mental condition, is it? So, the body condition can override your circumstances and situations. Circumstances, situations usually don't override body condition. Body condition can be overridden by mental condition easily, very easy. So, no matter how perfect a body you have, if you don't believe you're beautiful, you're not going to harvest or reap the rewards of all that beauty, yeah? because you're not going to see that you're beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So mind of Trump's body condition, body condition trumps circumstances, situations. Mind trumps both of those. Both of those don't trump mind. Yeah, that's where a lot of people are at. So they're doing affirmations and the secret, whatever, and all this stuff. But what actually trumps that is spiritual condition. Yeah, spiritual condition can override your circumstances and situations easily. It can override your body condition. Maybe not as easily, but it can override. It can definitely override your mental condition. And yet, with a clear spiritual condition, which is you are a spirit, yes, body condition cannot override that. Mental condition can't override it, and circumstances, situations can override it. That's the ace in the fucking deck. And you're in a deck of cards here. You get 52 cards, but you're not recognizing the four aces. What about the jokers? The jokers, jokers are crazy wisdom, baby. The jokers are those crazy wisdom aspects. Yes, yes, yes. The jokers is like, to me, well, is. Really a, I'm sorry, you're, you're very entertaining. Don't pick on me. It's just an obvious. 
Oh, no, no, I want to go there, because the joker is an expression, the joker is an expression of the ace. See? When the ace is, is played, it can appear as a joker. <laughs> you start laughing a lot about life. <laughs> Seriously. So the ace turns into a joker. <laughs> so really, if you have a deck of cards, which is what this seems, life seems to be, why not play the aces? Why play a fucking deuce? Because obviously it doesn't work, so you get, you get mad and resentful and blame everything for it. But in fact, it's just a, a bad hand. Get the, the, the aces are there, just entertaining. Yeah? I'll pass the basket, because Greg's taking his money out. That means it should be over. That's my cue.